All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Are we going to war? I ask because a deadly drone attack killed three U.S. service members over the weekend and wounded more than 30 in Jordan near the Syrian border. This happened on Saturday night. Now, this was the first time that U.S. troops have been killed by enemy fire in the Middle East since October 7th. And as you know, October 7th was when the terrorist organization that runs Gaza, Hamas, uh, attacked Israel and took 250 innocent civilians hostage, as well as murdered 1,200 more. Uh, President Biden has blamed Iran-backed militia groups, and we know that Iran is funding Hamas. And then the president, our president, President Biden, vowed to hold them responsible. So what does that mean? What does that mean, hold them responsible? Um. Marine Corps Colonel Eric Bauer, he's retired. He is uh, a former Marine helicopter pilot. He's flown hundreds of missions throughout war-torn and dangerous areas of the Middle East. He has served on the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff as an associate professor of the National Security Strategy and Policy at the National War College and special advisor to commander of U.S. forces in Afghanistan. Colonel... Colonel Buer, I apologize for getting your name wrong, Colonel Buer, but I am so grateful to welcome you to the show, sir. Thank you for joining us. Jordana, good morning. Uh, great to be here. Again, Colonel Eric Buer, we really appreciate your time. Okay, so so that, that actually scares a lot out of me. President Biden is vowing to hold the Iran-backed militant groups responsible, which he should, but uh, Colonel, uh, are we going to war? Well, the president, and uh, he's been saying um, those types of things for some time now. This isn't clearly isn't the first attack. Mm-hmm. Iranian proxies, whether it's Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis, as we've seen recently, uh, and now uh, the Islamic resistance in Iraq, as they're calling themselves, uh, attack U.S. service members and U.S. interests. Uh, it killed three service members, uh, unbelievably. Um, it hadn't killed more. This is you know, the hundreds of attacks. Um, that have happened uh, since the 7th of October. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the U.S. really hasn't gone after uh, or held the Iranians uh, accountable in any measurable manner. And so it just emboldens them. And this is uh, clearly uh, an example of what happens if you don't really fight, you know, firepower with firepower. It's, it's just going it, to, it will escalate it. Well, take us back a little bit and give us a little history. Why are the Iranians attacking U.S. service members? There have been 158 attacks, by the way. These three were murdered this past weekend. They were killed. Uh, but there have been multiple attacks. So why are the Iranians attacking U.S. service people? So the Iranians, it's, it's part of their, it's, and it's, it's their long-term goal is to have any U.S. presence, and Israeli presence for that matter, mm-hmm. uh, completely stripped out of the Middle East in the, in the region. They want to be the hegemon. They want to they dominate the Middle East. Um, and they support Hezbollah. They support 
the Houthis. They support Hamas. It's the cheapest and easiest way um, to uh, for them to inflict damage on uh, Americans and clearly Israelis. And Hamas were all trained by the, the Iranians. They're the Republican guards, the uh, Islamic guards. So their their fingerprints are over everything. You know, small groups can't build and fly very complex, you know, unmanned uh, aerial systems. They just think they simply can't do that. So uh, it's clear the Iranians are doing this. It's clear the Iranians are escalating it. They're behind all of it. They've been by, behind it uh, for the last two years now for all the, the U.S. military presence, presence both in Syria and Iraq. Uh, and they've just become emboldened. And they know nothing's really going to happen to them. The U.S. has done some strikes uh, very sparingly. It's under 10 um, that they've uh, they've, they've uh, executed. So, yeah, it's emboldening the, the Iranians, and they're only going to attempt to do more. So President Biden has said that this will not go unpunished. What should the Americans do? And and why are we letting them attack us if, as you said in the past, nothing has happened? What should we do? It's a great question. You know, it's a great question and has strategists uh, throughout all parts of government in the U.S., you know, scrambling for answers. And there's, there's certainly a diplomatic response of sanctions. There's certainly the ways we can uh, define their role in the world kind of from an informational perspective. Uh, economically, they've been isolated. Uh, and militarily, uh, that's really what they only seem to understand. And so uh, there needs to be uh, not a whole scale ramping up, but there needs to be some more effective targeting done, I believe, on critical uh, nodes and infrastructure of the Iranians and really put the Iranians um, on a back foot. Uh, right now they're conducting this, all of all these uh, operations outside their border. Um, and they, they, like I said, they feel very emboldened. So um, it, it really is going to take uh, a coalition uh, to put a very definitive stamp on, on the Iranians. And that's going to be most likely through airstrikes and targeted missile strikes. Okay, so airstrikes and targeted missile strikes at the people who attacked us in Jordan, or you you mean in Iran? Like I'm just I'm just trying to think what the American response should look like and would look like, or is this an entree into a World War III? I, I hate to sound alarmist, but you know, yeah. as you said, the Iranians have to be stopped, and they've gotten away with attacking us. Now they've murdered three American service people, so. I mean, if you were making, I just, I don't know what can the president do without pulling us into an all-out war? Great question. And these are very, very valid concerns. But uh, a world war is not going to happen with the Iranians. The Iranians really, they, they are, they are certainly flexing their muscle now, but they're paper tigers. They're, they're flying 1970s aircraft that we gave them back under the Shah uh, in a day. Um, you know, Tehran could be blackened with Israeli F-35s and F-16s if they wanted to. This could easily be escalated, and the Iranians could be given a significant, significant blow. But that would be, okay. uh, you know, again, raising the bar. So uh, World War Three, as they're trying to build a, you know, a coalition of their own, of the willing, um, and that's very fractured. Uh, the Jordanians, I mean, the Iranians have enemies all around them. The Saudis mm -hmm. certainly are, as Sunnis, the Jordanians, the Egyptians. They're not going to support Iran claiming to have this uh, this coalition of this Islamic Brotherhood to fight the Israelis and the Americans. I, I think that's unrealistic. It is a bit of fear tactics. Um, those airstrikes need to smash into, uh, in this case, uh, the Islamic resistance in Iraq. Uh, the same way they need to very, very definitively strike the Houthis, Hezbollah, and Hamas. 
Um, and mm-hmm. and their and their chains, their second order effects of those of who supplies them, where their drones come from. Just follow that food chain back to its source. It doesn't mean you're going to take this back directly to the Iranians now, but uh, when you when the Iranians don't have a way to exercise uh, power outside of their borders, that's when they really begin to lose their power, and that's really what these targeted um, airstrikes would be doing: really minimizing the effects of the Iranians. What do you think about the president's current policy in Israel uh, and against uh, Hamas? What do you, you know, how do you feel about it? Do you feel that we as Americans are doing the right thing um, in supporting Israel? What are your thoughts? I think his response is weak. He's trying to play every side. uh, He's trying to play every side of it he possibly can. I've written about this. I mean, he's, he's really cowering down to these political minorities in the U.S., um, earlier on, when we've seen these pro-Palestinian uh, marches on college campuses, you know, people that just don't understand the issue. Um, we have to stand shoulder to shoulder uh, with the Israelis, uh, another democracy, uh, on, on so many levels, uh, moral, ethical, moral uh, levels, absolutely. Uh, we, we have to stop out against aggression. And that level of you know, what, the, what Hamas had done to the Israelis is, you know, is unspeakable. Uh, the story gets lost now in mainstream media. Um, I think we, as Americans, need to put pressure on the administration, whoever it is, uh, that we don't walk away from our allies. Uh, and Israel is a key ally. They always have been an ally. And we have a lot of connections to Israel outside purely of political. Of course, you know, a lot of Americans that, and Israelis enjoy dual citizenship and uh, a democracy. And it's uh, it, it stands for a lot of things to a lot of people. So, um, uh, the pol- current policy, the kind of this lame approach to support is, uh, you know, it's indicative of so many things you see in this administration. Uh, they're out to appease uh, pretty much anyone they can. And it, uh, it, it puts us at risk as a nation. And you can tell right now it's, it's put American service members um, at risk uh, across the across the globe. Well, I'm, I'm I'm happily surprised by hearing you say we need to take an even stronger stance in support of Israel, um, because I did not know your politics on that. But it's interesting as a, you know, a former service member, I appreciate uh, you saying that. And if anybody is um, interested, I'm, I'm speaking with uh, Colonel Eric Beyer. Is, did I say it right, Colonel? A viewer. I don't know why I can't get it right, David. I'm so sorry. <laughs> David's going to have to write everything out phonetically uh, for me. Colonel Eric Buer, excuse me, formerly of the Marine Corps, um, serving on staff at the Joint Chiefs, Associate Professor of National Security at the National War College, Special Advisor to the Commander of U.S. Forces in Afghanistan. Uh, before I let you go, Colonel Buer, I'd like your thoughts on what is happening with UNRWA. UNRWA, U-N-R-W-A, is supposed to be a humanitarian organization. Now, multiple countries have pulled their funding after they have found that 10% of, uh, excuse me, at least uh, 12 of the employees uh, that were in Gaza, I'm talking about teachers and UNRWA employees that were supposed to be providing aid to the Gazans, participated in the October 7th massacre. We're also hearing that 49% of UNRWA employees in Gaza actually have ties to Hamas or Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Uh, 23% of UNRWA's male employees have ties to Hamas, compared even to the average of 15% for adult males. 
So many countries are now pulling their support from UNRWA after they're finding out that this UN organization, this aid, supposed aid organization, had ties and also kept hostages. There are lots of exa- there are examples of UNRWA employees keeping hostages. What do people need to know about UNRWA and the way it operates around the country and in Gaza? Right now, the the Relief and Work Agency, that is a huge black eye to them. Uh, I'm sure the U.N. is working, they are working overtime to figure out where the breakdowns have been uh, in vetting, uh, and not just vetting once, but in oversight on all their employees, uh, particularly um, as it relates to Gaza and Hamas. And so uh, that's something they're going to have to work through internally. And there's nothing that can happen right now. Um, I, I guess they fired a dozen plus employees already. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. The idea of aid workers actually participating in combat operations is horrifying for any of us. It's it's the ultimate Trojan horse, uh, where the same people you're expecting to be, uh, you know, giving us a hand up, uh, you know, may have a, you know, for lack of a better analogy, may have a gun in the hand, right? So. Um, that's something that we certainly, as we said, as permanent members, we can sit there and, and, and find ways to ensure there's proper vetting. Um, when you look at places like, when you look at places in particular like the, like Gaza and the Gaza Strip, where um, any outsider is going to be looked at, uh, certainly not accepted, but looked at with a jaundiced eye, um, you end up recruiting uh, internally and you open yourself up for that level of, um, you know, it's, it's like a mini counterinsurgency within, um, within the UN, within the relief and workers, work, work agency that is. And so places where you have a very small population pool to recruit from, to train from, but they're also members of that society, particularly a society like Hamas, uh, I mean, supported by Hamas, the Palestinians that are supported by Hamas, it opens itself up for that, um. You know, this is a news. It's a it's a news story. It's a breaking story. Um, it, it it you know to those looking at it um, that had some insight of it, it's going to come as no surprise. It's a much bigger surprise right now than I thought it could ever be. Um, yeah. But it's something that's going to have to be taken care of immediately by the UN. Um, it's they're going to. This is not going to happen or be fixed in a day. This is a long term look, and it's been a wake up call for the, for the UN. So appreciate your thoughts. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I do hope you come back on the show, Colonel. Thank you again for the time. Do you have a, a new book out that you want to share with us? I do. Thank you. I, uh, Ghost mm-hmm. of Baghdad. Uh, it Ghost mm-hmm. of Baghdad came out. It's been a great bestseller uh, for us. Uh, it's, it chronicles my first tour in Iraq as an attack helicopter pilot. And, you know, the great, I get a chance, I get a chance to tell the stories about a lot of great Americans. It's stories about me. It's, uh, it's just seen through my lens. Uh, and I tell a story and get to capture, um, you know, stories about, you know, our sons and daughters and, you know, husbands and wives and brothers and sisters who uh, who uh, answered the call to serve. So I was uh, happy to happy to write that book. Been very, very excited about the response. And uh, I appreciate uh, everyone's support. Colonel Eric Buer, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. And I really appreciate your expertise. The Ghost of Baghdad is the book, but we hope you'll come back on the show. Anytime. Thanks, Virginia. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? 
Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Appreciate it, sir. Uh, lots to discuss today, and it's it's messy. These conflicts have been going on for a very long time. We don't, as Americans, we're not fully embedded in the conflict that has been going on with Iran and just how dangerous they are in the Middle East and how far the tentacles go. Uh, really interesting conversation. Again, his book is Ghosts of Baghdad, if you're interested. We'll be right back. I got to be honest, these UNRWA allegations uh, against 12 of the employees being involved in the October 7th attacks are so upsetting. Even more upsetting that we're just hearing about it now, because I guarantee that UNRWA raised a lot of money after those October 7th attacks from people who hate Israel or maybe hate Jews and people who, um, you know, wanted to rail against Israel defending itself. Again, 12 members of UNRWA uh, were, were fired because of their involvement during the October 7th attacks. Uh, according to the New York Times, the most detailed accusations concerned a school counselor from Khan Yunus in southern Gaza who was accused of working with his son to abduct a woman from Israel. So specifically, they were involved in kidnapping innocent civilians. A social worker from Nusirat in in central Gaza is accused of helping bring the body of a dead Israeli soldier to Gaza, as well as distributing ammunition and coordinating vehicles on the day of the attack. So, And these are just two examples, of course. Twelve people have been fired, and we are hearing accounts that 49% of UNRWA workers have family members' ties or ties themselves to terrorist organizations. This is so sad because the people that are supposed to be educating the young Gazans, that are supposed to be offering aid to Gazans, are beholden or have gotten sucked in to terrorist organizations. It's so sad. So if you really care about the Palestinians, and we all should, you should be giving funding maybe to the Red Cross, or something else, because UNRWA has been compromised now. The world needs to remove these people from the Palestinians because they're only working for the terror organization that is ruling Gaza, unfortunately. That is the elected government of Gaza, unfortunately. Um, At least nine countries have pulled funding for UNRWA. Uh, from their country. And I get it. I wouldn't want to be seen as funding terrorist organizations or people that were aiding and abetting a terrorist organization. But not only is this a black eye, who cares about what people think? What we need to do is get help and education and aid to innocent Palestinians that are not involved in terrorist organizations. And the fact that the world has been relying on UNRWA, clearly a corrupt organization, is very, very sad.
we need rallies. We need people to make sure that these organizations are safe for the people they are claiming to protect. Innocent Palestinians deserve better. They don't deserve organizations like UNRWA that is maybe riddled with terrorists that are involved in planning October 7th. This is just such a sad, sad story. And I, I don't know how to fix this because, again, this is the United Nations Relief and Works Agency. And learning today that its members that were supposed to be protecting innocent Gazans were involved in planning and executing the October 7th attacks, as well as keep, keeping people hostage, is just, it's devastating to me. It should be devastating to the people that come out in support of the Palestinians. It should be devastating to anyone who believes that innocent civilians in Gaza deserve a chance, a chance not to be ruled and aided by terror. It's 1132. I'll be right back. All right, I promise I'm going to share, reshare the carjacking story in a minute. But first, I need your help. I generally don't go on the air and ask for medical advice but I know you'll be able to help me. So this past week, I have been feeling this pain right in the middle of my left butt cheek. Okay, it's super sharp. It really hurts. I thought it was muscular. Okay, I'm stretching, I'm stretching. Over a few days, the pain is radiating down my leg all the way into my foot. It feels like it's burning. It feels like it's tingling. Now my skin is itchy. Don't worry. I'm going to Mayo for a checkup on Wednesday. So I am going to have an x-ray for it. But some people say are telling me, friends are telling me, oh, it's sciatica. Now, I'm 51 years old. Is it really sciatica? Some are telling me it's a pinched nerve. But my friends, how in the world do people live with this? I have had a lot of pain during my treatments. But this one really hurts. So I'm very curious if anybody out there is living with uh, sciatica or a pinched nerve or if anybody knows what the heck this is, I need some help. 651-461-9226. And I'd like to think that I was way too young for this, being 51. But remember... I also went to the eye doctor a few weeks ago, and he told me that I have cataracts, one of the reasons that I really can't see. And I was like, wait a minute, cataracts is for older people. He says, yes, but because of all of the chemo that you endured from the leukemia twice, he said it has elevated or sped up the aging of my eyes about 15 years. Oh my gosh. I thought, okay, I'm really falling apart. The cataracts, I get it. I can't do the surgery yet because I'm only stage one with the cataracts. I feel like an old lady complaining, like your grandma complaining this to you. But the sciatica or whatever is happening in my leg, like it wakes me up at night, you guys. It wakes me out of my sleep from the pain. Now, remember, I have good drugs here because a lot of drugs were given to me uh, during my treatment. But some of them don't even touch them. Right now, the 4-Advil, it takes the edge off. The oxy doesn't really touch it. But does anybody have suggestions or stretches? I've been trying to stretch. Sometimes that make it, makes it worse. I've been trying to walk a little bit. Uh, sometimes I feel worse after that. And I've Googled it. But let me know what 
you've done for this because it is it's over the top friends and i don't want to complain too much because i know a lot of you have a lot of pain out there but this one sucks six five one four six one nine two two six jordana chiropractic and acupuncture they have done me much good i will try that i did try acupuncture after my treatment and because um I have low platelets. That's a challenge for me, but I might be better about this. But acupuncture, really, for the sciatica pain, um, I would really. Someone says, see a chiropractor. Really? Can chiropractors fix this? That makes me nervous. I've never, I've never, um, I've never gone to a chiropractor before. Uh, someone says, try a pressure roller. I do have one of those. Mark has one for his back. Oh my gosh. Uh, so like, pre- and someone, whoever sent me that text, pressure roller, like for my butt. For my back, I need help on that one. Um, Barbara's in Minneapolis. Barb, are you? Can you feel my pain? Hi, Jordana. Yes. First of all, we're foolish, Lema. Oh, thank uh, you, my dear. Just, just wanted to say I was trained as a chiropractor, but I feel your pain because I've had mm. sciatica three or four different times. It sounds very much like sciatica. And um, there's a lot of really good treatments for it medically and or conservatively. But uh, Hmm. you definitely get it checked out by somebody. There are certain stretching exercises you can do. You can go online and look at that for sciatica. Um, And uh, it's extremely painful. I mean, I could barely walk or or do anything for a week or so um, at one point. Um, But I would definitely get it checked out yeah. Okay, but you didn't have to have surgery or anything. Did you have to have one of those cortisone um, shots or have surgery or anything? No, no, none of that. Okay. No. I no. I had somebody literally work on my butt muscles because mm-hmm. if it is sciatica, it's a it's probably your piriformis muscle, which is in your butt, and the right, sciatic right. nerve either goes under it or through it, depending on your anatomy. And the person who worked on me the first time put her elbow in on on top of my butt and just went for it really bad, across, 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 with tears streaming down my face. Yes. And sure enough, that really, really helped. And there are stretches that can stretch the piriformis. But again, I wouldn't suggest you not seeking help, but I think it sure sounds like sciatica to me from my personal experience. Barbara, this helps me. I'm doing all of those things after I get off the air with you. That's that's what. I, thank you that's so much, great. and thank you for and your I, kind words, my friend. Absolutely. Take care. Bye. All right. Thanks, honey. Okay. I, okay. Because someone said, "Oh, you need that cortisone shot," and I was like, "At this point, I'll I'll take anything um, to get rid of this pain. It's bad." Let's see. Jor. Oh, God. I've, there's like a million texts. Okay. I really see. I knew if I put this out there, David, people would help me. <laughs> yeah, see you, chiropractor. Okay. Jordana, chiropractor is a good start. Went to Tria. Okay. I Maybe I'll try that. Jor, I was never a believer in Cairo. In fact, I was scared, but I had sciatica that was so excruciating I couldn't move. Andrea at Health and Wellness fixed me in four visits. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay. Great. Jor, you might have some spinal stenosis, narrowing of the vertebrae. Yes, Jor, it's a nerve in your back. I just had surgery for this because it turned into numbness. I'd advise physical therapy. I'll, I'll do anything at this point because the pain is, is really bad. See, then someone says, do not see a chiropractor. Chiropractor, Mega anti-inflammatories are in order and so is icing. So I've been putting heat on my back. Is that the wrong thing, you guys? Someone says, put ice. This texter says, I sciatica. I'm in my 20s. I had chemo too. I know. See, we get screwed. You know, we got screwed with the cancer and then we get screwed with the with the treatment. I know, friends. 
Uh, Jor, lay on your back, put a, t- put a tennis ball under your butt. Yeah, I should do that. Gently move around uh, your butt. See if it, see if that helps. Um, exercises, glutes and bridges. But I, I, I mean, I do a lot of yoga. For somebody who's pretty sick, I do a lot of yoga. I thought I was stretching properly. I don't know. Go ahead, David. Are you going to tell me what to, you know, how can I should we be stop, massaging can we stop my butt? Stop talking about your butt and what you're going to massage. I mean, really? Is this really what we're talking about right now? This is a problem. People are need to tell me how to massage my butt. Yeah, I know we've got off the rails. Move, yeah, uh, anything, any <laughs> other, any other. Come on, I need. Come help. on, you're not in pain. I am on a lot of drugs just to get through the show. Hey, I got a great stuff. idea, Jordana. Why don't you go to your doctor who I'm, is I'm paid going. to help you, and then do whatever they tell you to do. I'm going to do that. I am seeing my doctor on Wednesday, so I'm going to do that. But you know the CCO listeners know everything. Oh, they do. Uh, Joy, you'll need to get a trigger point injection of cortisone. Yeah, I know. A lot of people have done that. I just, I, I'm going to find out. And you guys, I'm going down on on um, Wednesday, so I will report back on Thursday and tell you how it is. Uh, Jane's in Minneapolis. Jane, you have some advice for me? Yes, um, it's sciatica. It's follow the sciatic nerve runs down to your foot, wraps around your leg and runs down to your foot. Your easiest solution until you see your doctor is ice it, even until it's to the point that your backside is numb. Really? That's an anti-inflammatory. Yeah, um, because it the nerve is inflamed. So what you want to do is ice helps cut down on the inflammation in the tissue surrounding the nerve, which mm-hmm. also helps the nerve become less inflamed. It's an easy fix. If you've got other pain meds that you can take along with it, it's good. If you can find an ice pack that'll stay frozen for a long time, put it in the back of your pants. Oh, gosh. And go. That David, way, I am so coming into work with ice in my pants tomorrow. <laughs> well, even the little harder ice pack. Okay, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. All right, there you go. See, David cut you off because he doesn't want to hear about the ice in my pants. I understand. Uh, Let's see. David says I have a call. Hold on one sec. Uh, Kathy's in North Branch. Kathy, jump in. I need help. Yes, I was told to get off my feet, and I believe I spent three days off my feet and then alternated uh, hot and cold, like uh, 10 minutes, you know, 10, 15 minutes on and then off, you know, alternating hot and cold. And that okay, took care of it. Okay, doing hot. I've been doing hot. Yeah, do cold to alternate. Okay. Alternate okay. the two. And it All seems right, to bring blood into the area. And um, But just getting off your feet if you can. Okay. So, Thank yeah, you. I actually, See, David? I Go ahead. stayed in bed for like three days I just know. to get over it. I can't do yeah. that one. All right. Painful. Well, thank you, Kathy. Super I painful. appreciate it. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate okay, it. Okay, you're sweetie. welcome. Thanks. See, I knew they would help me. I knew they would help me. They, and even though David didn't want to hear it, I knew you guys would help me. And you did. So I am um, going to be icing and tennis ball rolling and doing all the things. And I'll let you know how it went tomorrow. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? 
Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.